You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. What's going on? Ifran, uh, Ethan, Ethan, Ethan. Well, Ethan. Dros Haya. <laughs> um, How many different ways can we pronounce I'm, our names? I'm apparently less adept at that. I'm doing really, really well. Wow, that is a very enthusiastic response. Yeah, I'm at a pessimist's eight and a half. Wow. Which has got to be like an optimist's 13. That's something beyond the pale for... Yeah, and of course, it's, I mean, as you can see, I'm still pretty composed about it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't become a different person. As our listeners can hear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a 13. (laughs) Um, No, I'm sleeping in a bedroom, my bedroom. Ah, so... For the first time in a month. The carpet for your new house came in, and it is installed. It is, and so my, my room is now installed. Amazing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> My room is wild. Like the update on like an OS or a place is like update installing. <laughs> exactly. That's how it feels pretty much. Yeah. So that's really nice. Mm. Um, it's been delightful. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you hearkening back to many moons ago mm-hmm. on the podcast, because we talked about this. Yeah. You got a PS5. I finally, like, I, finally I mean, that was, one. how long has that been? When did 14 we, months. 14 months. That yes. was when we first started talking about it. Uh, that's what I came out 14 months ago and I utterly missed the boat because they utterly botched the release window and um, it was hard for everyone ever since. But um, Isn't that amazing? There's still that many people yeah. wanting to buy it. Yeah. It's kind of wild. That's crazy. Mm. So you got that room installed? Yeah. I mean, I am basically the 1%. <laughs> That's how it feels. <laughs> uh, that actually makes me think, here's an interesting question. If you could go back in time and have all the wealth of like John D. Rockefeller. So he had like something that would be the modern day equivalent of $23 billion. But you had to live with that wealth in the early 1900s, which means you have <laughs> the equivalent of $23 billion, but you have like no air conditioning, yeah. no roads for your cars. Oh you get Lord. like, you can only eat the food that, you know, is available to you locally. If you want to spend your wealth abroad, you have to get on an ocean liner and oh spend Lord. open weeks wow. at sea. And uh, medicine? Oh, what is no, medicine? That's right. You know, your your wife has like a 10% chance of dying in childbirth. Yeah. Do you want to take that wealth and have to live under those conditions? Here's the thing. The very first thing you said was no air conditioning. I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good as is. <laughs> Look at us. See, we're all, we're all the 1%. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's funny, you know, and we make a lot of idols out of those things. That's true. We what absolutely we do. do. What? Yeah. Even things that are that. like... It's all fine. It's good. Good things. Mm -hmm. Good things. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You know? That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, it is. You read the title of the episode. Yeah, that's right. You know what you're getting into. Yeah. One of the terms that frequently gets thrown around in Christian circles, but without much definition, (laughs) just like I did. I just now did it. (laughs) I did the thing that I'm talking about. We're part of the problem. Yeah. It's the term idolatry or idol worship. Idols. I-D-O-L. Not I-D-L-E. I mean, that's sloth or, you know, another problem, right? Different, you know, like, oh, I love love worshiping idleness. I sit around all all day. Mm. I don't... That No, we're not talking about that. Now, when you read the Bible, you get a pretty clear picture of what idolatry mm, is. And yeah. in that case, I mean, it's referring to like literal physical statues or images, right? which you prostrate yourself before. You worship. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous like when you <laughs> say it out loud. It does, but it's pretty unambiguous. Right, right. And that's what you see in the Ten Commandments, like in Exodus 20, verse 4, for example. In the Second Commandment, it says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Hmm. 
So the way we throw it around now, do you think it's like an over-eagerness to decry something that we don't like in someone else? Or, <laughs> or like, do we just like not have a clear theology about this until it's way too late? Or maybe we're all just super aware and healthy and we can identify it. <laughs> but I find that unlikely. <laughs> we all recognize that we want to worship and we misdirect <laughs> that worship. I would actually say probably a mix of all three. Like mm. there are probably people who, you know, they throw that word around having no idea what it means. Yeah. There are some people who use it sort of in a weaponized way to talk about them out there, but me, I'm fine. Which ironically (laughs) is something Paul deals with in Romans 2 when he says, you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You know, Mm. so he's like, you guys stop it. Yeah, so if you think about it, though, in terms of the modern day, at least in America, this is actually still problematic in some parts of the world, but we don't have statues of like Dagon Mm. or Ra setting around. We're not offering up incense to the little household god on our mantelpiece. True, yeah. Hopefully. Well, Honestly, I've not met anyone who's doing that yet. Right? I've not done it at least in a month. <laughs> I've walked away from that. All the listeners, everyone just like, like to stop their cars, <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, so like, we don't have that. We definitely don't have like public temples to worship Artemis or Odin. Right, You know, yeah. like that's not a part of our civic life <laughs> right. as it was for the Romans, the Greeks, or the Norse. Right. So that said... Why does the church still use the term so frequently? Mm. And, you know, what what are we actually talking about when we do? Well, I do think it would be helpful, given all those questions that I've just set up for us, questions, to break it down a little bit. So many of the gods in ancient days, so-called gods, as Paul would call them, were worshipped because it was believed that they had control of some particular facet of life. Okay. So, for instance, if you were really needing rain for the crops, which... You always did. (laughs) You need rain for the crops. Yes. Um, But you were worried. You know, you're like, ah, like Mm. you you didn't know about meteorology per se, you know. So like that would cover a lot of those people. Right, right. So Baal, whom you read about a lot in scripture, the Israelites had many problems with Baal, (laughs) um, namely that they worshipped him when they shouldn't have. But Baal was supposed to be the Canaanite storm god. So, you know, he was the one who's supposed to have power over rain. And so if you made an acceptable offering, worshipped him, poof, now you're going to get the rain that you need. Uh, okay. Right? It's interesting and a little bit uncomfortable how that sounds when you strip <laughs> it down to the essentials. You know what I mean? It's like when you take away some of the fanciful like regalia or, or incense or whatever, mm-hmm. it's just like, I want this thing. Yeah. And it becomes a little bit like too familiar. <laughs> You're like, oh, what do I do in my discomfort and concern? <laughs> yeah, so it's, um, you know, don't make this personal. <laughs> Are we starting to recognize transactional patterns yeah, within ourselves? Uh, hmm. I want X thing and therefore I will yeah. do Y transaction. Yeah, no. And so at the heart of idolatry then is a person's ultimate reliance, trust, and faith. There's our word, right? Mm. Faith in something or someone other than the one true God. And I mean, if you want to like take it a step further than that is you're looking to someone or something other than Christ to meet your deepest needs, desires, and wishes. So like the farmer who worshiped Baal, mm-hmm. he, for all I know, had no affection for Baal whatsoever, right? Yeah. He didn't love Baal. There was something else he wanted. 
Like right. he didn't want Bale for Bale's sake. Right. Yeah. He wanted the reign mm-hmm. that Bale would give him if he made an acceptable offering. Right. Very, very transactional. So if you had some alleged god that, you know, I mean, they had gods for everything. That's yeah. why you had pantheons, right? And it was exactly. a god for literally just about every facet of life. They, you, they get too busy, of course. Yeah, right? You know what I mean? It's multitask like, come, what? Come on! So you would find that god, worship it, and try to get what you wanted out of it. Rather than entrusting yourself to the one true God Almighty who transcends man's ability to, quote-unquote, control him. And the irony of this whole discussion, without getting into too many of the details, is you weren't actually going to control the idols either, right? I mean, it's just this weird <laughs> dynamic at play here. Like, who's who's actually in charge here? Yeah. And I think you start seeing that, but I digress. That is that is actually pretty interesting to point out because there, the attitude is purely transactional, like you said. It's not, yeah. it's not some, like, infatuation with the... Theology of this, mm-hmm. you know, it's the thing that you want. Mm-hmm. So you're offering something to an entity that is apparently more powerful than you because you can't do it yourself. Yeah. Right. But by the rules of this transaction that you initiated, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you're kind of in control because you're at least you're acting as though you're in control. You're mm-hmm. saying here, here's the toll essentially yes. to get exactly what I want. So is it that like you're using idolatry to create a sense of control in an area where you feel um, vulnerable or out of control. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that like observing these people in their yep. time. But when I think of it in modern context, I don't think of control. Sure. But we have idolatry in both timelines here. Yes. It's not like idolatry <laughs> has changed very much. The human heart hasn't exactly changed. Right. So is it fair to say they are most often after control? I mean, because you could take that further and say, what's controlling them? You know, Right, it, right. Yeah. And I do think that's a huge part of it. And both the Bible and Paul especially make reference to the fact that it's ridiculous. Like, you fashioned these statues. Yeah. Like, you Everything about it, you assigned it. to it. Yeah. So, like... The idea that like, oh, it's a deity that's powerful enough to control the weather, but I had to craft the statue and bring it food or whatever. Like, how do you not see that those don't exactly line up and work? And I do think there is a small, I don't even small, I don't know how I would define it, but there is a part of the idolatry that we still engage in that I do think still has something to do with that desire for control. yeah. So, like, even quite apart from statues or literally named gods and, like, saying, like, oh, this is the sun god Ra, as we have alluded to, like, we're still guilty of idolatry by putting our ultimate reliance, trust, and faith in something or someone other than God. It's Mm. just that it doesn't typically take the neat form of a statue. Yeah, right. And with, like, a formalized religion, like, with the regalia and the incense. Now, ironically, I don't have time to get into this, but I think you could look around and see that, like... (laughs) There are still religious trappings that we get around our idols. Oh, definitely. Um, the more organized our idols become or our systems of idolatry, the more they begin to look like religions. Yeah. And sometimes just people are so used to swimming in those waters. It's like the old parable about the fish in the water. You know, the yeah. older fish, the younger fish says, hey, water's mighty fine today, right, boys? And the fish swim away and look at each other and go, what the heck's water? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? In John, the Apostle John told his church at the end of First John, interestingly, in a letter where he's never mentioned idols. In fact, I don't think... The Apostle John mentions idols anywhere outside of this reference. Oh, wow. But at the very end, his last words in 1 John are, little children, keep yourself from idols. But then that's it, right? What a parting shot. Yeah. And the problem for us is, as we've alluded to, it gets a little more complicated for us than it may appear on the surface. Because if, for example, you were an Israelite who had erected a 
statue to Baal in your village. Mm-hmm. There was a very simple solution to that. You just you destroy the idol, <laughs> right? Like you grind it to dust and throw it to the wind, like King Josiah did. Oh, oh what? Yeah, what? King Josiah, what? Smashing idols? Because I mean, there was no situation where it was ever acceptable to bow down to an image of Baal or Moloch or Dagon, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just there's no 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 situation where you should be doing that ever <laughs> for any reason whatsoever. Now, obviously, it goes without saying, I think that just smashing the statue didn't solve the problem of your heart's allegiance, oh, very right? True. Like very you still true. needed to. Do it like you there was no acceptable reason for having the statue so you had to destroy it but that didn't solve the heart problem yeah because you're i mean you're bent in a position of like desiring to worship something yeah you'll find something else yes and even when speaking of king josiah he implemented arguably the most radical reformation that judah had ever experienced the prophet Jeremiah, who was a contemporary, was still decrying, <laughs> even in spite of all those changes, the fact that you people don't actually love God. Like, you're still hewing out broken cisterns for yourself. Oh, yeah. So, uh, clearly, just cutting the cord in a physical sense doesn't necessarily solve the issue of the heart. Right, right. Even if it is an important step of repentance, like, sure. there were still good things that happened under Josiah yeah, in right. Judah, but it wasn't the whole story. And so, where it typically becomes more complicated for us is that the idols we tend to worship are idols that we can't just <laughs> smash. Like, literally, but all also, they're the kind of idols that, it sounds provocative to say, but they have to stay. Ooh, right? ooh this sounds messy. Yes, isn't that? Whoa, life. <laughs> Crazy. Is it complex? What? What? But here's what I mean, just so... You know, if you're listening and you're starting to freak out. <laughs> you stop like, right now. Yeah, like, record scratch. Like, <laughs> I've been excommunicated, fired from the church. Eh, this is me. You're wondering how I got here. It all started with a podcast. Jesus, for example, said you can't serve both God and money, right? Yeah, that's fair. Now, he was, of course, absolutely right, right? Yeah. Like, you Who can't, am I to argue? Right? Like, oh, Jesus said it. You know, you, you typically don't, don't, don't argue with that. Now, here's what's difficult about that. Because on the surface, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, you can't serve God money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you can't just swear off money. Yeah, right. Yeah, right? Like, not if you intend to actually do anything in and for the world for Christ's sake, right? I mean, Paul, 1 Corinthians and Romans, in large part, were written to help Paul get money together for a collection. Oh, yeah. For the yeah. saints in Jerusalem who were suffering. Jesus paid the temple tax. And he had people who followed him around who provided for his ministry out of their wealth, right? You have to use money to buy food, clothing, and secure shelter. Like it's, it's part of life. It's part of the way God has designed things to be in our current age. Right, yeah. So you can't just get rid of it, <laughs> right? right? Though we do know people who would much prefer the barter system. <laughs> Dustin Stout, if you're listening, wherever you are. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could offer much. I would really be in a tight spot. Same. Um, Behold books. You want these books? You want those? Would For you a like... chicken? For a chicken, please? I need a chicken to feed my family. Can I pay you with a conversation about a movie? <laughs> like, it's really hard to spend that kind of stuff. Um, but does that mean like the non-golden statuary version of idolatry? <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's, it's a good term. very succinct. <laughs> but like the version of idolatry that we grapple with now has to be dealt with on a deeper level, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to, I guess, establish a proper relationship to the thing, whatever that should be. Because you can make an idol out of anything, anything neutral, something initially good, like we opened with, mm-hmm. or something intangible that you can't in any way address physically. So I guess better to address the issue and benefit from appropriate use. Yes. And that's exactly the kind of counsel that the apostles and the prophets would give you on this particular matter. Right. I think it was Augustine, probably. Again, it's always safe to attribute it to Augustine. You don't know which church father said it, but he would say something like, the improper use of something does not negate yeah. the proper use that that's of like the line i was thinking of too but i'm like oh. yeah yeah no that's exactly right so like the problem is not that we have to handle money it's 
a question of how we're handling that money right. and like what role is it actually playing in our lives and in our hearts. Sure. So repenting of mammon worship would look like reorienting your entire approach to money. And uh, Paul dealt with that explicitly in First Timothy 6. So this is a great example. He wrote, as for the rich in this present age, which would be, if you're listening to this, you are probably in that category. <laughs> um, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Hmm. So you notice the dynamic there? There are a couple things that, like if you listen to the first half of that passage, you'd say, he's saying, oh, don't set your hope on riches, which probably mean renounce them and get rid of them, right? So you don't do that. But that isn't what Paul actually counsels. Mm -hmm. What he says is don't set your hope as in like your faith, your trust, like we talked about, right? Don't set your hope on money, but on God, because he is the one who actually provides us all that we're lawfully permitted to enjoy, Hmm. right? So coming back to that illusion of control, I think if we have a lot of money, we think, oh, I can control my happiness would be like the deep thing. Like, you know, the old say it's like money, people say money can't buy happiness, but like functionally, a lot of people believe that, (laughs) right? Right? Like if I could have, you know, like if I can have the game console, if I could have just that car, if I could have a bigger house and all those things require money. And so you set your hope on, well, I need X, Y, or Z thing to make me happy and I need to have money to buy it. Therefore, if I have money, I can buy, I can control my happiness and money then becomes your functional God because Mm -hmm. money is the thing that says, I can give you what you want if you'll just, you know, bow down and worship me, (laughs) give your heart to me. But again, Paul doesn't say renounce money. He doesn't, he doesn't do what like Francis of Assisi did, which is say, I renounce, (laughs) this is another podcast another time, but like, did you know the Franciscans invented the concept of property rights to renounce them? (laughs) So they could say they could renounce them. Long discussion. I mean, the Bible, I think, actually creates the category of property rights, but they were the first to like really articulate it in the way that we would understand it. And they did it so that they could renounce property. (laughs) That's unique. (laughs) That's so funny. So Paul does not counsel that. What he says is, instead, take that money and be generous with it. Be ready to share with those who don't have it. And that's practically one of the ways that you can remove this as being an idol. Like, this is how you learn how to properly handle it. As you say, oh, God gave you money? Like, Because, again, it's that's Deuteronomy 6. Like, God will give you wealth. Like, he gives people wealth. It's not like sure. wealth is an inherently bad thing. Right. It's just that God is the one who, if you have it, he's the one who ultimately gave it to you because all things are his. So, like, honor him with that. And share with those in need. That's why he gave you so much of that, probably. It's like he wants you to meet the needs of others. And not so you can feel uniquely secure yeah. in your personal bubble. Right. Or be haughty and be like, look at me. Look at my wealth. I'm a really important person, trademark. Right? Exactly. So idols then can take on all sorts of different shapes and forms. And uh, John Calvin, I love the way he put it. He, he wrote, I think it was in the Institutes, our hearts are idol-making factories. Yeah. He said, like, they just... They just spit them out. So it's good, understanding that that's true of human nature, to take inventory of where our hope and trust may have slipped from Christ to something else. And uh, I think the simplest way to do that is to ask yourself a question like, if I lost X, Y, or Z, if it was all taken from me and I lost it all in a moment, would my life go into a spiral and would I utterly fall apart? Or... Would I be safe to say, oh, it would hurt to lose that? You know, yeah. like it could be fine to like, sure. Job lost become, everything a, and he. You don't become a Jedi here. Right, right. You know, you're not, yeah, you're not a Jedi. You're not a Stoic. I mean, Job mourned when he lost his family and his possessions. The prophets mourned. The apostles mourned. But 
to understand that, yeah, if I lost this, this would hurt, but ultimately I'd be okay because I have Christ and I have an inheritance stored up for me Mm. and treasures that I can lay hold of in the new heaven and the new earth. And if you can honestly answer those questions, I think it goes a long way to show you are there potential idols in my life? And speaking of, actually, Lent is coming up. Ooh. It starts right around a month from this recording. Yeah. So whenever this episode drops. But a month from this recording, Lent starts. And Lent, we talked about this in a previous episode, but like yeah. the point of Lent is not just to give up chocolate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. the reason that the, the early church, this is not a Roman Catholic invention. The reason the early church came up with the season of Lent was to help people identify these sorts of issues. To say like, oh wow, what are the things that might have almost without you realizing it, become functional gods and idols. Yeah. And if you're worried about that, oh, well, pick that thing and lay it down for 40 days. That's a, Like that's Jesus a lot of did in the wilderness, right? Like 40 days in the wilderness and see how it goes. Mm. And if you determine, oh, I feel like I can't live without that thing. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Maybe big, big you need deal. to redefine your relationship with it. But yeah. then you might, you know, put it down for 40 days and be like, oh, that was fine. And you can come back to it. So wow. that's just a little little tidbit for you there. You know, the, like the, the idea, um, as you laid out, just kind of like a, a simple litmus test, or at least that's how it appears. <laughs> You're like, hey, okay, this one thing, what if I lost it? <laughs> what if you like, it seems straightforward. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it technically is straightforward. Yeah. It's actually like, oh, kind of heavy to think about it is like the more you seriously <laughs> think about it, it's like oh man it is that would sting yes quite a, maybe worse <laughs> yeah that's um, yeah and you don't want to be macabre about it and like constantly no, it's not healthy no, no, to no. be thinking about that all the time i'm but, not thinking of like watching my family die in front of me <laughs> you know but like i just got a house like what if i lost it yeah and that would <laughs> that would sting yeah but and then again, it is, you know, again, healthy to think like, like, would I be fine? Oh, I, yeah. you know, like I'd have people to take care of me. Like right. I would live, but it is a helpful exercise. And you're right. It is heavier. And I think it does remind us of how quickly we can really slip into this without realizing it. Absolutely. I definitely think so. So anyway, next time you hear someone throw the word idolatry around in a sermon, or even if it's me, it'll probably be me or (laughs) someone like that. Hopefully you can be a little more aware of what's going on. So and hopefully not make an idol of us or this discussion or anything like that. No risk of that, probably. I don't. No. Well, hey, thanks as always for listening. If you found this helpful and you want to share it or you want to leave an honest five-star review, mm-hmm. the iTunes, Apple podcast thing. Yeah, wherever you listen. That'd be great. We would thing? not idolize that. We would not. We would no. just be grateful. Yes. Grateful for a good gift. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, feel free to shoot us an email, podcast at horizonschurch.net. You can interact with us on social media as well. So thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.